It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. Just go to Indeed.com slash podcast right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire. You need Indeed. Kyle Krabs here, host of Locked On NFL Scouting. Join Joe Marino and me every day as we provide position-by-position analysis of the upcoming NFL Draft. Check out the Locked On NFL Scouting podcast with the Draft Dudes on YouTube or wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. Welcome to another edition of the Locked On NFL Draft podcast. My name is Trevor Sikama, and normally this is the part where John Ledyard also introduces himself. Actually, he's normally the one who intros the entire podcast. So for those who might be listening for the first time this week, it probably sounds a little bit weird. But the reason why John is not here is because John has been fired and he's been replaced by Benjamin Solak. John hasn't really been fired. But depending on how depending on how Ben does the rest of the week, you know, conversations could come up. John has been ousted. <laughs> the throne has been overtaken by young Benjamin Solak. Ben, uh, Ben, how are you doing, my friend? Listen, you brought us in with uh, this is the Locked On NFL Draft podcast. You 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 did away with the welcome inside, which is a, the the strong open that everybody knows begins the podcast. I know, you know, yeah, it's your time. That means John's that not going to recognize the house when he comes back. I know. I'm just ta- I'm I'm taking the furniture. I'm rearranging stuff. I'm I'm giving different kind of energy in this place, and I guess it'll be up to everybody else to figure out whether or not the energy was uh was better or worse. But um, when Dad is away. Younger dad Trevor, young adult Trevor will play. <laughs> this is true. I, I killed it. I'm not a dad. <laughs> I'm not a dad, thank God, yet. Um, so don't know what that's like. But um I wanted to so what John and I normally do, because I don't wanna I don't wanna pass on his memory too quickly. We've gotta remember him somehow. We've gotta remember him fondly. And one way that we do that, especially on Wednesdays, which is this edition of the podcast. We always look ahead to the slate of college football games. Fortunately for you, Ben, this is the worst slate of games all season that we get to talk about. I'm so excited. So, so um, I'm looking at the early slate of games. I mean, Friday, usually we get like a like a Thursday or a Friday good matchup, but Boise State, New Mexico, yeah. Does that have any interest to you at all? Are you any at all interested in Boise State, New Mexico? New Mexico is very bad. Okay, well, you know, Brett, nope. Brett Repian flu game then, you know. We're going to watch Brett Repian throw for throw intermediate passes, um, throw for 400 yards, and people are going to go, hey, you know, this Brett Repian guy, He uh, have you watched a lot of him? At all? Oh, oh, no! I wrote the original Rippin uh, report for the site during pregame reports. Okay, all right. So there we Matt go. Was Mountain West. So what do you? Okay, they, I want to hear what you think of him. Because did you did you happen to read my five play on him? I did the uh, oh, the, man, the okay, golf themed five play. Yes, I like there we go. See, I'm uh, glad somebody appreciated it. Avid reader of the draft network, right here. Wow. Um, 
No, no, no. I enjoy I enjoy Rippin. Rippin reads to me very much like Kyle Lauletta did last year in terms of obviously Rippin's going up against some stronger competition than Lauletta ever did when he was at Richmond. Uh, and and Rippin's the guy who hopefully we're also going to see on the Senior Bowl circuit. We've gotten some uh, some acceptances, Trev, on the Senior Bowl circuit. We've we got do. We do. a few already. Mostly, I think, smaller names. One of them is in that Boise, New Mexico game. That's Terrell Hanks, the uh, middle linebacker. The big one is Charles Omenihu so far, who's the defense tackle out of Texas. He made well, the named, bottom of my top ten. So he's all right. You named you named two of the three, so you might as well name Jalen Moore as well. So Jalen Moore, running back out of Appy State, who yep, I believe yep. has been dealing with some injury. Yeah, uh, yeah. He's trying to so, recover to get to the Senior Bowl, I believe. All right, that's good. That's good. But... Um, Hopefully we see Rippin at the Senior Bowl the same way we did Lauletta. It'll give us an opportunity to measure uh, his arm strength, his velocity against other quarterbacks who play, you know, Power 5 schools and have bigger frames generally and just longer arms, bigger levers, throw with more power, whatever. Look at um, you, Rippin, you, look you pulling out the lever word. Well, so I just, I just, my episode of the cut-up today was on Jonah Williams, uh, who's offensive tackle out of, out of Alabama, who's got length you mean, concerns. You mean, uh, you mean guard, right? Because everyone's telling no, us that he has to be a guard. I don't mean guard. I mean tackle. And that was that was the brunt of the message of, of the episode. And a lot of the value of long arms in, in tackles is, well, you can keep rushers at bay and you can tag guys on the outside track. And if they get around you, it's better to recover. But longer arms are also longer levers. And sometimes that's dangerous for, for offensive tackles because it makes it a little bit easier for guys to get you off balance. Mm-hmm. when you throw your punch, a little bit more weight on it, but whatever. Uh, it's a, it's a, it's a, not, we're already like three tangents deep into this Brett Rippon talk. Moral of the story is Rippon's got an important uh, bowl circuit that he's got to get to, but his, his, accuracy and i think he makes some really great throws under pressure there's some really nice uh boxes you can check when you look at his tape now he's gonna have to show up measurable wise pass really that eye test in practice when we see him in mobile in january yeah i think he's got he has the ability to make some nice throws but i just didn't i didn't see the full package of throws in the games that i watched now it was early on in this season and going into the last season are the kind of the games that i watched but um i thought he was really consistent in the intermediate as I, as I wrote in my five play, I, I thought he was very comfortable there. But anytime he had to put a little more touch or take a little bit more off of passes or even put more on to passes, you could tell it was just it was not quite as comfortable. I have seen him a little bit, at least some highlights that have shown some of that this season. But um, yeah, I, I mean, a couple more games here, it'll be it'll be big for him. I we might as well talk about Citadel and Alabama just because I wanted to get back to the Jonah Williams point and. People don't. I don't. I don't think people realize that. Yeah, like measurables thing, and this is the point that I was that I wanted to make when you were bringing that up. Like, measurables are are good, and they have potential. Certainly, like the like the phrase "bigger, faster, stronger" is a thing for a reason, right? I mean, like the bigger athletes that run faster, that have the bigger frame, that are bigger inside, like all this kinds of stuff. It 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 just means that you can do things normally better. But if you can't do them better, then sometimes it doesn't matter what your measurables are. And for Williams, I, I never even really noticed what you would say is like a like a shorter right. frame from him. I just I've watched him be consistently good at what he does, and he just he seems so good at his craft that why would you look at him and okay, so maybe if the dude goes up against Daniel Hunter or something and you know, he gets full arm extension on one play, you might be able to put it out there on Twitter and be like, see, told you, scouting report should be a guard. Where in reality, 
the whole rest of the time he's being the tactician. Like I, I see him be, and see I have seen him be for the last couple of years. And so I never, I, I don't, I don't get the Jonah Williams to guard talk. I really don't. I think he's so good at what he does at tackle. I, I so see, that's that's the key point right there. Is your measurable benchmark a quarterback's got to be six foot one a tackle's got to have 35 inch arms is that a are you using that as a filter to help try to identify the best prospects or are you using that as an obstacle to eliminate right prospects? yes because your paradigm there depending on what it is can be helpful or it can be ridiculously stupid and if we talk about the good paradigm which is that this will help me filter out the elite prospects this will help me kind of narrow the guys i look at first Scouts are always looking for shortcuts. They Scouts are always, like, you know, I, I would even say, like, you know, kind of, you, instead of figuring out, like, all right, does this tackle of good length? Well, we just use, like, a measurable as a signal. Like, oh, this guy's got 35 and a half inch arms. He must be good at keeping rushers uh, away from the outside edge because he's got great length. You know what I mean? Like, we, we like to use these as signals because it helps give us shortcuts in our work. And, like, the reality is that scouts who are going through a bajillion prospects and traveling everywhere and very tired, da, 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 are always looking for shortcuts. We see that throughout the entire draft process, mm-hmm. right? So so it does it makes sense in that construction but once you make it a listen his, his arms aren't long enough for him to play tackle. Well, if you watch his tape, that's the thing. And you like, see him do well at tackle. Like I don't freaking get it. You're right. just I'm with you. At that point, you're just putting up the threshold for it. Now, you're putting it up for for an obstacle. I wanted to say because that was a very good way of saying that. Now, here's an athletic thresholds are different because you know, like for a corner, you can have an athletic. Ter- like for example, I'll take um, I'll, I'll use MJ Stewart as an example for the Buccaneers. Uh, MJ Stewart, when I watched him play at UNC, very instinctive, very aggressive. I didn't really see him struggle that much with athleticism. Sure, I think the faster guys got a little bit better of him, but he played the position really well and really aggressive to the point where he could still be a pretty good lockdown assignment, or at least he was. In his final year at UNC, he comes to the Buccaneers, and he can't keep up with people. Like, he's just getting burned. Like, he clearly cannot be a slot guy in space. So, in, in those sense, like, for you know, if you're, if you're picking a defensive back or something like that, you've got to have athletic thresholds just to play in the league, you know, just to not be a, a liability matchup. But in terms of measurables, the only time I understand measurable thresholds outside of, t- like, tape, is say like this it's 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 within the scheme you play like if you are looking for longer press man on corners then you'll have a then you'll obviously have a threshold but in terms of like you said like oh we like our tackles to have this inch arm so we're not going to pick a good football player who has good tape you know that that part doesn't make sense to me absolutely and 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 it comes down to this idea are you limiting your ability to find good players or are you streamlining your path to finding good players? Yep, very good right? way like, to put it. Like, you know, I, I'm a defensive coordinator. In my, in my system, I think corners need to be at least 6'1 with 32-inch arms to be successful. Okay. So what, what's important here is the why, and the why is always what's important behind that. Why is that valuable? Well, because since I leave them on an island and I ask them to press, I need them to be able to attack with size and, and with physicality and, and to be able to play within the, the uh, receiver's frame. 
okay, so if you're using that as a limiting agent and there's a guy with great tape who comes in at six and five eighths with 31 and a half inch arms and you say he's not big enough or tall enough or long enough to play in my system, you might have missed out on a great player. If you use that as a filtering agent, well, then you can go through the tape of all the guys who hit your thresholds and then go, wow, I know because I'm in the league that this corner is really well regarded for the style of play that I need, he came in under my thresholds, but let me still look at him. And then you watch his tape and you say, you know what? I think he could be successful. I'm willing to break my threshold for him. So one is a filter, the other is a limit. And that's the, the paradigm that needs to be respected when we talk about these ideas. Is your team eliminated from the playoffs and in need of reinforcements? Maybe it's time for a rebuild, or maybe they're just a player or two away from taking home the Lombardi Trophy. Either way, join Keith Sanchez and Damian Parson for Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. They'll tell you which college football stars your team will be taking in the 2024 NFL Draft. Check out Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Yeah, it was good. Uh, it was good. I needed to get that off my chest. So thank you. Yeah, thank so you for, Boise, thank you New Mexico is going to be bad. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good, yeah, there we go. That was the, <laughs> uh, as is Alabama Citadel. Um, both of them are going to be bad. Um, do you know what the unofficial line is for Citadel, Alabama right oh now? Oh my gosh, do you have it up? Well, um, no, so I saw it on Twitter. Technically, games that are FBS versus SCS, FCS don't get lines until the day of. But as of right now, the line I've seen floating around is 51. Jesus. 51. You know, casual seven touchdown spread. Oh, my goodness. As one has. Oh, my goodness. That's just. Which, for those of you playing at home, Buffalo the Bills would beat the Citadel by 79 points. Transit <laughs> <laughs> property. Man. Oh, boy. Oh, boy. Okay, that's rough. Um, Trying to find a game that's like not – does Ohio State lose to Maryland? No way. No way with everything going on in Maryland, not, right? Yeah, so, so no, no, no. And, and Kasim Hill, who's the quarterback for Maryland, who I think makes their offense the most effective. He's a good runner. Down with an ACL injury. Now, here's, a stat. here's a stat for you, Trevor. Okay. In the past six years – Five Maryland quarterbacks have had ACL. Well, five ACLs on Maryland quarterbacks have been torn, right? This is Kasim Hill's second tear. It's in his other knee. So uh, on top of everything, Maryland's conditioning staff is booty. Yeah, that seems um problem. It is worth noting that they do play a game or two a year on FedEx Field. Yeah, but... You know when people are just blowing out their knees left and right on FedEx Field. Dude, FedEx Field sucks. Is FedEx it really Field, that bad? I mean, it's it's known for being awful. There's stats on like how much more so people get injured. I mean, the Redskins team right now is decimated by That's, injuries. You know, but, I can't dude, argue with that. Dude, how have we not talked about the New Mexico field or the the Mexico City field yet? Oh yeah, I mean we can. Um, I I think that okay one. I don't really understand what went on here. Maybe you've read more than I have, and you might have a better understanding. the jokes. I have no idea what happened to this because, field. Like, be very simple, like, I... Here's the thing. Okay, I get it. They're trying to like expand the audience of the game. They have fans in Mexico of the NFL. But how the frick does this happen? You, this game has been on the schedule for months 
how are you telling me the field is as bad? And, and how did you not check on it before now? Like how Can we how not- how was this how was this not just absolutely heavily monitored by the NFL? Not only heavily monitored, but how did the NFL not step in three weeks ago or two weeks ago or even like an extra four days ago to send people in to make the field okay? How did this happen? I have no idea at all. But what's amazing to me is that the Rams, in their easily second biggest game so far this year, okay, uh, you know, New Orleans and then this Chiefs yes, game, absolutely. just picked up an extra point on the Vegas spread from 2.5 to 3.5 because they're now playing in the Coliseum. Yeah, no, they're at home. Yeah. Right. And these teams have been planning for weeks to prepare for the elevation that is in Mexico City. And now... Everything is flipped now. Now they have to go back to preparing for regular elevation, Dude, which like shouldn't be too much of a problem. But no, still, I mean, like it's. it's it, I mean, like that part's fine. I just don't. I I don't understand how this process dropped the ball like this hard. Like, how many games are? When's the last time a game was played in Mexico City? Was there a pre? Wasn't there a preseason game? I believe there's been at least one this year. Yeah. I feel like there was a preseason game that was played. I, I just don't. I don't. I I. This is beyond me because the game was canceled today or yesterday, right? Yesterday was Tuesday, right? Wasn't it like officially moved on Tuesday? Say that again. Wasn't the game officially moved it, on Tuesday? Yeah, it was right? moved on Tuesday. Yeah, yeah. How does like Saturday or Sunday roll around and they don't check this out? That is true. Like, like I mean, I have no, I'm no field expert like that one guy during the Big Ten championship who rolled out when the field got ripped up and like repaired <laughs> things in five minutes, which was a heroic effort. Yeah. But it would seem to me like like it's got to be an awful condition for them to be able to call it now, like immediately, right? like five days in advance. Yeah, it just did, that was that's stupid. I mean, it's also extremely stupid that the Raiders play on a baseball field for the first month of the season. I mean, like that's a joke. What about the Raiders' current franchise is not, to some degree, extremely stupid. I mean, and yeah. I don't mean that out of any like you that's know, like fair. I don't I don't mean to like rip on Raiders fans, but simply like, all right, what about the Raiders, like, their entire franchise is just, everything is, is kind of a bit laughable. Okay, here's a question for you. You ready for it? I, I was born ready. In this is it, We're in the year 2018 right now, the year of our Lord. <laughs> in what year do the... In what year is there an NFL game played, a regular season NFL game played in mainland Europe, and then... What year is there an, a regular season NFL game? Actually, I'll just say like any any game. So it could be a preseason game played in Dubai. Is your team eliminated from the playoffs and in need of reinforcements? Maybe it's time for a rebuild, or maybe they're just a player or two away from taking home the Lombardi Trophy. Either way, join Keith Sanchez and Damian Parson for Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. They'll tell you which college football stars your team will be taking in the 2024 NFL Draft. Check out Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What years? Oh, wow. I'm really qualified to answer this question, so I'm glad you asked. That's why Um, you're on the podcast and not John. (laughs) Because John's been fired because he doesn't know this, but fortunately I do. Um, I would say the mainland Europe one is like closer than perhaps we think simply because I do not believe 
Jacksonville will be moving to London. Uh, I don't think that's something that that happens ever. I do. And as a you do? Yes. So interesting, something that that really caught my eye a couple of weeks ago, ESPN just opened up a new localized radio station in Jacksonville. Uh-huh. You think they you think they'd do that if they thought there was even a chance that the Jacksonville Jaguars franchise was going to be leaving Jacksonville? I mean, that's not enough for the NFL to not do it. Well, I'm saying I'm not saying like it's a reason the NFL wouldn't, but I'm saying like if ESPN. No, I mean exactly, I hear what you're saying. Yeah, I do pretty hear what you're plugged saying. in, you know. Anyway, I um, so I, I'm skeptical of the move to London, and accordingly, uh, I think that you know if the NFL is going to continue this uh, overseas series, then they'll probably start looking into other places. Um, so like I'll say what what year is it? 2018, mm-hmm. 2025. We get a a non-London Europe game. Oh my god. Uh, okay. Is that weak? Is that is that too far of a period? No, dude. They're playing in they're playing in Europe in like three years, man. You think so? That early? I think though. I think that I think we will have a regular season game in mainland Europe in 2022. Okay, yes. I feel like four years, seven years. It's not a huge spread, but all right. Um, Dubai, I have no idea. Twenty forty six. I'll say I'll say twenty twenty five for Dubai. Dude, what has anybody said anything about there ever being a game in Dubai ever? No, it's but it's gonna happen. Trevor, you uh, if if this occurs, you're incredibly prescient. That would be amazing. <laughs> if I get both of these dates right, y'all are gonna have to come back to the podcast and uh, give me my props. Um, who's the uh, who's the listener who keeps track of y'all and John's record against the spread? Oh, I can't remember his I can't remember his handle, but he's a he's saint. Gonna, he's gonna come out. He's he's, gonna, he's an like, absolute Yo. he's an absolute saint. John and I thank him for it all the time because without him we would be we would be lost. Uh, back on the mainland though, back over here on this side of the states, the great states, is the best the best game this week is Syracuse Notre Dame, right? I think. Uh- I would say yes, but don't sleep on uh, Texas Iowa State. Oh, uh, Texas Iowa, and then like Cincinnati UCF. Okay, but like let's let's talk about Syracuse Notre Dame. Last test for Notre Dame, right? What's their game after this? USC or something? USC, who yeah. they should. Okay, bang. yeah, they're gonna they're gonna smoke USC. So last test for Notre Dame. This is they win this game and they're in the playoff, right? Oh, absolutely. Barring again USC going absolutely bananas in a a shocking turn of events, I um. It's funny because when you looked at Notre Dame's schedule, like once they kind of beat Stanford, it was like, all right, they look to have a relatively win, like like win out slate moving forward. This was when Cuse was like good, but we didn't know how good they were. And you kind of circled Pitt and Cuse, two ACC teams who have been spoilers, and you said maybe one of these two teams. Pitt has definitely filled their role of like being scrappy this year, right? Like Pitt, like, you know, like hard nosed their way into an ACC divisional championship, just amazingly right it's like Pitt's kind of filling their role that they usually do but Cuse is not in their typical spoiler role because Cuse is ranked 13th overall Syracuse looks awesome you know and so I would be curious it feels like you know it's tougher to call this a trap game for Notre Dame which you would have expected it to be a month ago because Cuse isn't a trap team anymore they're a legit fighter so I don't think like you know we're not expecting Notre Dame to like overlook this game or anything but Syracuse can run 
points up on you. Obviously, they can score in a flurry. And, and it'll be interesting to see, is Ian Book, quarterback from Notre Dame, going to be healthy enough uh, dealing with a rib injury following the Northwestern game? Is he going to be healthy enough uh, to start? Is it going to be Brandon Wimbush? And, and what percentage health is he even at if he gets out on the field? Right. So that's like the big storyline for Notre Dame. Do you think they got a chance? Syracuse? Who, Syracuse? Yeah. Like a legit oh, chance. I know you kind of like outlined a little bit there of like who, what needs to happen, but like how, how likely do you think it might be that Syracuse could play spoiler, even though they're, even though they're not really a spoiler, they're, they're 12. Here's, here's, okay, now here's an actual question. If Syracuse wins this game. Right. Are. Yes. Do they play Clemson then? No, no, no. So they've already played Clemson this year, and they're in the same. Uh, Clemson's got oh, the. Oh, bummer. Clemson's, I think Clemson's coastal. Clemson's already got coastal locked oh, up. Oh, bummer. Okay, so if Syracuse wins this game, then what do they rank? Atlantic. Clemson's got Atlantic locked up. Coastal is for Pitt. Okay, so if Cuse wins this. This is right? at Notre Dame? This is at this is no, Yankee Stadium. No, this, is, this is at Yankee Stadium. It's at Yankee Stadium. Okay, so check oh, this out. I might out. go to this game. I'll be in New oh, York. You're in, you're in New York, yeah? Yeah. Right. Okay, so game? so so check this out. Uh, Cuse lost to Clemson by four in a game that Syracuse was winning for a, a large portion of it, if memory serves. Then the immediate week following, they had a letdown spot against Pitt where they just, you know, they came out a little bit flat. Pitt put 44 up on them, and they lost to Pitt. So they lost two in a row. It was an overtime loss to Pitt, who's obviously now the, the uh, Coastal Divisional Champion. Other than that, They've won every single game they've played. They have five games this year where they've scored over 50 points, right? And and now you've got Notre Dame and Yankee Stadium, and then Boston College is their final, you know, regular season week week 13 game or whatever. So they could end the year. They're already at they're at 12 right now. They could end the year beating number three and the current number 20 in back to back games. Interesting. Hmm. Hmm. Well, Syracuse, hmm. listen, I said on yesterday's podcast, Dino Babers is going to be, in my opinion, the first call. Say this. A, lot of, a lot of, you know, if Louisville misses out on Jeff Brom, which is a legit chance, because I'm not sure if Brom wants to uh, wants to be going to Louisville. I'm not sure anybody wants to go to Louisville. I would imagine they would call Babers. Babers put 54 points on him. You know, they just recently saw what his handiwork can do. It'd be interesting to see if you're able to hire uh, through the divi- through the conference like that, but still, I think Babers is, an, is such a strong head coaching candidate for college football right now. Another potential slip up: West Virginia. They're not they're not ranked ninth, so it's it's just inside the top ten. But they go to Oklahoma State, um, a team that Oklahoma lost. Oklahoma State has played so many teams tough this well, year. I, look, man, anytime you can score points at that rate, you got a chance. Doesn't matter who you're playing, you know. Yeah, that's fair true so i i mean like uh, like for example like like texas tech i mean okay cool they're not gonna stop anybody but you've got to stop texas tech from scoring 55 because if not then you got to keep up you know if there's a there's a lot of those wacky teams in the big 12 that are like that where like if you looked at oklahoma state i wouldn't tell you that oklahoma state's a good team and they lost to oklahoma by one point just because of a ballsy call that they should have actually had because tylen wallace was open so you know? Dude, I saw you tweeting about Tylen Wallace during Dude, that game. Bro, Tylen— Young man, young man can play. <laughs> Tylen Wallace, true sophomore, wide receiver for Oklahoma State. His production is ridiculous. Let me look this up. Hold on. Let me look this up. This is—like, it, his—it's it, stupid. It's stupid. Um, I wonder, does he lead the nation? He must lead the nation. 
I'm gonna look up two. Th I'm gonna look up two things here. We Google. We Google mid show here on Locked On NFL. This is, this is our third straight show. Just like having a Google pause. Uh, it's, you know. Um, it's funny because Wallace, I think, is one of your favorites right now for Bolitnikov, probably. Uh, wow, he doesn't lead the country in yards. That's unbelievable. Who does? Um, Andy Isabella is number one. Shout He's out, a, Andy. Yeah, and then uh, Anton Wesley from Texas Tech. Who is good? Who is That's good? Brad Kelly's boy, dude. He's my boy too. He's in my. What did I put Wesley? Uh, top seventy-five for sure. I can't remember if I put him top fifty. Like kid, kid, kid's good. Kid's real good. Um, yep. Tylen Wallace though. He's doing it on less catches than those guys. But let me look up the. Uh, okay, so what's what's his probably unbelievable yards per reception? Uh. It's actually only 18. Okay. And I say only. only 18. But these are his last three games. You ready for it? It was Texas, Baylor, Oklahoma. Those were his last three games. First game, Texas. 10 catches, 222 yards, two scores. Next week, Baylor. Eight catches, 112 yards, one score. Oklahoma, 10 catches again. 220 yards again, two touchdowns. Eh. Stupid. All right. You want to uh, you want to hear real production? Kids got 550 yards and five touchdowns with 28 catches in the last 3 weeks. Is your team eliminated from the playoffs and in need of reinforcements? Maybe it's time for a rebuild, or maybe they're just a player or two away from taking home the Lombardi Trophy. Either way, join Keith Sanchez and Damian Parson for Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. They'll tell you which college football stars your team will be taking in the 2024 NFL Draft. Check out Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Oh my, my, uh, my, my, my boy, my uh, underclassman receiver is Lavisca Chanel out of Colorado. Have oh, you seen he, him play? He's a stud. He's right. Lavisca. So Lavisca's been out for. Uh, he was out for for three games, and he came back for the Washington State game. Okay. Uh, he was able to play in that game, but okay. So Lavisca's last four games. Against UCLA, 12 catches, 126 yards, and a touchdown, along with a rushing touchdown, two total touchdowns. Okay. All right, all right. Uh, Arizona State, 13 catches, 127 yards, two touchdowns, along with two more rushing touchdowns. That's four total <laughs> touchdowns on the day. Uh, and then USC, the game in which he got injured, uh, nine catches, 72 yards, but then two carries for 46 yards and a touchdown. He literally, they he is their goal line back. So he catches the ball gets it into the red zone and then yeah. lines up as the quarterback in like a wildcat, what they call like their Buffalo yeah. or whatever. Yeah. And then runs. In. He is the entire offense. Listen, they didn't start. They were five and Oh, and then they played USC. He got injured and they lost and oh. they have lost ever since. He also just has an, an elite name. Laviscus Chenault. Chenault. Honestly, destined for greatness. Could have chosen to be an accountant. Would have been a top five accountant in the Pac-12. <laughs> That's a good way to put it. So does Oklahoma State, do you, what do you think the odds are that they play spoiler to West Virginia? It's at Oklahoma State. You think they can repeat kind of what they did last week or not? Nah? I will off. say. They're not playing Oklahoma anymore. 
West Virginia came out, throttled the ever-living daylights out of Baylor, and then this past week beat up on a TCU team. And I understand that TCU team isn't as good as we expect TCU teams to be. Mm -hmm. But West Virginia right now is quite hot, and they do have a good angle on Big 12 championship uh, because they're still going to see Oklahoma twice. So they're going to blow it is what you're saying. It is a bit of a letdown spot, but given how – strong they've been in the past two weeks obviously you also had the big win against texas the two-point conversion they went for i don't know it feels it feels to me like this west virginia team is is got the engine running a little bit so yeah i mean oklahoma state can put points up on you but uh i i I trust this west virginia team as far as the big 12 teams go i trust will grew the most of the quarterbacks there that are playing given his starting experience so uh, I, I like West Virginia to win that that conference. I've liked them since the beginning of the year, and I, I haven't seen much to change my mind. I think that the biggest game for a prospect this week is Daniel Jones versus Clemson. And I don't think it's going to be necessarily a good game, but I think it's a really good... I think that's probably the best. Like If you're looking for the best like prospect matchup, prospect test, I think that's probably the one that I probably ha- that I have my eye on the most. What I'm yeah, see here's what I'm excited to see about that Duke Clemson matchup specifically when it comes to Daniel Jones. It's the fact that Jones rushed for 170 some yards against UNC last week. Sneaky had, fast. Sneaky fast. He had like 540 yards from scrimmage, school record or whatever. You're not going to be able to do that against Clemson, right? The UNC uh, defense, number one, is not nearly as well coached. Number two is not going to have nearly the athletes that Clemson did. I don't think you can open up nearly as much running space for a guy who is a good athlete for the quarterback position but isn't really a, like, true dual threat player. You know, he's just, like, a good runner. He's not, like, a Jalen Hurts type where he, like, is a running back. You know what I mean? So I don't think you can threaten Clemson as much that way. And accordingly, you've got to be able to beat Clemson through the air, especially if you're going to be a – round one quarterback, which we're starting to talk about Daniel Jones in that way. And listen, Ryan Finley's already dwindling round one hype fully was buried after Clemson just locked him for four quarters, mm-hmm. right? Like Finley didn't do jack diddly against that Clemson defense. Mm-hmm. So Daniel Jones, if you want to be considered above that tier, you know, bully for you, go put out something against Clemson that we didn't see NC State do. Uh, and so that, to me, that that's a huge one. I would say the biggest test is... uh. Dude, we said him earlier. Andy Isabella leading the nation in receiving yards, a little UMass, you know, scat back slot wide receiver, playing number five, George and DeAndre Baker. Uh, that's gonna be Isabella's biggest test this season. Let me check by a lot. That <laughs> <laughs> this is a UMass team that has been, you know, beaten up on like Liberty yeah. and on BYU and on uh, UConn, yeah. on South. Florida, Ohio, you know, we are, this is a independent school that has a Georgia game scheduled. Obviously, Georgia's looking for the cupcake, but hey, Isabella, uh, you, you know, uh, obviously being considered a draft prospect here, mm-hmm. uh, you know, if you want to open some eyes, baby, roast DeAndre Baker on a rep or two, and that'll, that'll get people going. Yeah, no, you're not wrong. Um, uh, let's wrap it up by talking about Ohio, or, uh, our Iowa State, Texas. Um, Good call. Which is, t- by the way, on the Longhorn Network. Yeah, that's it's BS, dude. Whatever. Garbage. 
It's like um, that when Army Oklahoma or Army, yeah, Army Oklahoma was inaccessible to all of us. I'm just, I'm it was pay per view. I'm just looking to see if Iowa State can refrain from punching people with helmets on this week because that was something that they failed to do. Although Shout the Baylor, David the, the Baylor players were doing more of the punching with the helmets on. Yeah, but, I uh, think Baylor threw the first. Yeah, he, yeah, punch. the guy did. He definitely threw. I think he threw it at Montgomery, and then Montgomery kind of went right. after him. Uh, how many times does Akeem Butler moss Chris Boyd this week? Well, it's going to be very interesting to see because the, the the thing that Boyd brings that I think a lot of corners Butler hasn't faced or Butler has faced this year, the thing that those corners didn't have that that Chris Boyd does is thickness. I think like Butler's a wiry player. He's about 6'6", 215. So he's a little thinner just in his limbs and, and, and in his midsection. And Boyd is a thick like squat corner. He's well built. And so, you know, when, when Butler elevates, when Butler exposes his big, long torso, you mm-hmm. know, is Boyd going to be able to really – disrupt him when he's up in the air that's going to be something that's yeah. exciting to see listen you asked me can oklahoma state cause problems for west virginia let's not sleep on the fact that uh it's it's iowa state and texas that are both at five and two in conference play currently oklahoma and west virginia are at six and one six and one so if you get west virginia potentially dropping this game to oklahoma state and then West Virginia beats Oklahoma. Iowa State has a win over West Virginia. So Iowa State and Oklahoma would be your top two teams in the Big 12 Conference. No divisions. Iowa State's playing in the Big 12 Championship. Yeah. No, it's a big There's, game for them. For sure. Yeah, the, right. And, and for Texas, it's a, it's a similar idea. Obviously, the issue you're going to have with Texas here. What's Iowa Texas, State's game next week? Oh, I want to say... Let's take a look, shall we? Let's take a gander. Yeah, let's look. Let's look at this. Iowa State next week has. Oh, they got Kansas State, Kansas and then State. Oh, and yeah. then they have the uh, then they have their replay game. Uh, Incarnate Word. They lost a game that got canceled because of, I believe, tornadoes in the area. South Incarnate Dakota State. Incarnate Word. Yes. God bless. Incredible. What an incredible college name. Uh, yeah, it could be big for Iowa State for sure for 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 those reasons because you know you beat a number fifteen ranked Texas at home and then if you play in the Big Twelve Championship, I mean they're gonna move up to, I mean if you, if you beat Texas, Iowa State's gonna move up to what twelfth, eleventh, tenth, something like that, and then uh, if, if they beat Texas, firstly Kyle who hates Tom Herman's gonna put him top ten, and I'm gonna put him top ten. Uh, I love Matt Campbell a lot as a dude. Listen, and, there, is, and, there is, and then if you beat Oklahoma, Iowa State's looking at a New Year's Eve bowl. I'm so here for it. Firstly, they probably don't want that because that means Campbell is gone. All right, and they'd like to retain Campbell definitely for at least one more year. Have yeah. you seen their quarterback at Iowa State, this freshman that that he recruited? Yes. Campbell recruited. Yeah. Brock Purdy. Yes. His name is Brock yes. Purdy. Yes. Listen, next year. Purdy is the long-term starter. If remember, let's not forget Montgomery and Butler are both have one more year of eligibility left. I'm I'm positive about Butler. I'm pretty sure Montgomery is a junior. So, if they can retain talent, including Campbell, maybe keep just one of those two there. Iowa State as the only team in the Big Twelve with the defense. John Heacock, defense coordinator, tight front, little three safety dime. It's great. It's one of the best. It's, it's the best defense in the Big Twelve by a mile, and if they can turn out an offense that 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 can keep pace, <gasps> Iowa State Big Twelve champion, twenty nineteen, place the bet. You're excited. You're excited I, I I love rooting for teams who have no. I don't want to take this bet away from you. So now I hope they Listen, win. 
I have I love rooting for like I like I my conference champion pick for the Pac-12 this year was Utah. It's so much more fun than being like, I bet you Oregon wins again. Like, wow, West Virginia seems good. Let's throw Iowa freaking state in there and just cause chaos. <laughs> I want like somebody who has my job 40 years the road down the road from now to be looking back at Big 12 champions and be like, how the heck did Iowa State win the Big 12 championship in 2019? Like, that's fun. You know what I mean? No, I hear you. I like the energy, which make sure you keep the energy for tomorrow's podcast because tomorrow's podcast is the it's a podcast where we kind of get to go off the rails a little bit because we get to go into the picks. Uh, for all the NFL games, we're going to be previewing the entire NFL matchup. We're going to get Ben's thoughts on where a lot of teams across the NFL are. Mine as well. We'll talk about where they are in the draft position, where they are potentially playoffs, how far they could go, maybe some new head coaches that are going to be here and there. Um, so it, that, that'll that be a lot of fun. This was, this was good. This was, We got into a lot more. Uh, ben, we did a lot more like prospect previewing than than we normally do on a Wednesday. So this was good. Hat tip to you, sir. Hat what can I say? Hat you know, uh, you when you fire John Ledger to move on to the new and upgraded version, you get, you know, takes and experiences you wouldn't previously have had otherwise. You truly, you truly kept the draft part in this episode of the Locked On NFL Draft Pod- Podcast. And so we will be back tomorrow to talk all kinds of NFL games. Until then, you keep it locked right here. Is your team eliminated from the playoffs and in need of reinforcements? Maybe it's time for a rebuild, or maybe they're just a player or two away from taking home the Lombardi Trophy. Either way, join Keith Sanchez and Damian Parson for Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. They'll tell you which college football stars your team will be taking in the 2024 NFL Draft. Check out Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hey, Prime members, you can listen to this Locked On Podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.